G'day, welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm Graham Curry, your host from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and I successfully maintained that weight loss now, coming up two years. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what it's like to living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I'm also the author of the book, The Fasting Highway, which is a story of my journey overcoming chronic addiction to fast food and sugar and taking that walk from morbid obesity to normality. So sit back here with us on the Fasting Highway in the next few weeks and listen to some inspiring guests and some experts in the intermittent fasting community. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the show. G'day and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 93. So today I'm thrilled to be joined by Lexi Waters. And Lexi was born and raised in Northern California. And she attended college in Utah. And she now resides in Boise, Idaho with her husband and four boys, aged 5, 9, 12 and 14, who she has homeschooled since 2016. And after getting married, Lexi found her weight creeping up. And her weight crept on and she went through some yo-yo dieting and losing and regaining. And she found her path to intermittent fasting. And here to tell us all about her inspiring journey is Lexi Waters. Oh, g'day Lexi and welcome to the Fasting Highway. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored to be here. The honor is all mine. I uh, actually follow you a bit on your YouTube channel and I find you super inspiring. And thank you for doing all what you're doing for the fasting community out there. But for those that may not know you, Lexi, if you don't mind, let's start with a bit of your backstory and where you're sort of at with your weight and health issues in your life and how you actually found your way to intermittent fasting in the first place. Yeah, okay. So um, I'll try to keep this as succinct as possible. But um, so basically, I, I would say I had a pretty healthy childhood. I was never overweight as a child, spent a lot of time playing outside, was really, you know, active with my friends and all that. Um, and then even in college, you know, freshman year, I did join, I did uh, gain the freshman 15. Um, but I actually, as soon as I sort of realized it, I lost it that next summer, I was a swim instructor. And so I was always out in the summer and, um, pretty active as well. So really never struggled throughout college. Um, I got married after college, so I was pretty young, about 22. Um, and then my husband and I, we moved to a small town where I didn't really know anybody. And, um, I started cooking for him and, you know, uh, I did gain a little weight there. And then again, though, as soon as I sort of realized that I had gained weight, I lost it pretty quickly and pretty easily, but then I got pregnant. So that's where, you know, the weight really started. The issue started to pile on. Um, I was about, I think I was 24 when I got pregnant. So I, I gained a lot of weight in my first pregnancy, about 55 pounds. And, um, I remember being in the, uh, hospital when I was in labor and they weigh you right there before, before you give birth. And, uh, my husband was looking at the scale and it said like 222 pounds. And he said something like, wow. And 
you don't want to say something like that to your wife when she's about to, you know, when she's in labor, don't, don't comment on her, her weight. <laughs> so a little advice for the, the men out there. But, um, so I, I, I just felt mortified in that moment and like, you know, and he's learned a lot since then. So I don't want to, you know, call him out on that, but, um, but it was just like one of those like experiences where you realize, wow, like I put on a lot of weight. And, um, and so with that, after pregnancy between each child, so I have four kids and, um, I would gain a fair amount of weight with each pregnancy. And then after about a year, when I was done breastfeeding, I would kind of focus on losing a good amount of that weight. And, um, but I would always end up about five to 10 pounds higher on my baseline, you know, so it was just like slowly adding on with each child. Um, so then when I stopped having kids, I knew I was done. I knew that I had to kind of figure out a way to rein it in for, for good because, you know, there was sort of this, I wasn't too worried about it before because I, I knew I was going to keep having kids. So, but, so I, I found out I did, I did some different things. I first tried the whole, um, you know, move more, eat less that we all hear about. And I tried that and I was really, really diligent with exercising and eating healthy and all of that. And I probably lost like two pounds. And as soon as I got tired of it, it all came back on, of course. And so um, I then found out in about in 2017, I learned about keto. And so I started that and I had some initial success with that. Um, and I, I was really motivated. But what happened was just over the course of two years, I would go on keto. I would go off of keto. You know, when I would go off, I would lose. I mean, I would gain back the weight and then some. So so then in 2019, I ended up, uh, I was over 200 pounds and I am five foot 11 just for reference sake. And um, I had started learning about intermittent fasting just because, you know, I'm big into YouTube and a lot of the videos, the keto videos, many of the people that did keto would also do intermittent fasting, usually 16, eight. And so I sort of started to experiment with that. And then I found another girl on YouTube. Her name is Kayla. She's, and she um, did OMAD. And so I thought, and she actually didn't have any diet restrictions at all. And so she had lost 80 pounds and I was like, okay, well, maybe that's what I should do. And so so initially, and I would not recommend people do what I did, um, I was trying to sort of have my cake and eat it too, in a sense, to where I didn't want it to be hard. So I was just switching back between OMAD and TUMAD or TMAD, however you want to say it. And so I just like wasn't very consistent in my um, schedule, which you can definitely do later on. But I think when you first start IF, it's really good to be consistent um, just to allow your body to adjust and everything. And so I was kind of trying to switch back and forth. And what ended up happening was I 
instead of what most people say, where they you know start with a longer window and shrink to a shorter window, I ended up you know expanding to a bigger window. And because I was coming off of doing keto and then adding all these other foods in, I actually gained weight when I started out. And I have to say, I was not at this time clean fasting because I hadn't really learned about that. I had read the obesity code, um, but I didn't catch on to that message. I know that people say that it's in there, but I just didn't catch that part of it. So anyway, so I kind of I start. I just was gaining weight, and I ended up. My highest was 209 pounds, and um, so yeah. Again, I'm five foot eleven, so I am tall. So I wasn't terribly overweight. I was getting inching closer to that obesity marker, but I wasn't quite there yet. But just with my family history and everything, like I know that's where I was headed. You know, I was just adding on and adding on, and so that's definitely where I was going. And I knew that I needed to do something. And so I had heard about alternate day fasting. I had watched some videos of this guy on YouTube and he did the traditional alternate day fasting where you fast one day, then you don't the next and you keep alternating. And I thought that was really, I just thought that sounded really hard um, because with having a family and, you know, cooking and wanting to participate in eating with your family. It's, I, I thought that sounded really difficult. And so I never really planned on doing ADF, but then I saw a video of someone who did um, the four, three method, which basically you have the same fasting days every week. So, you know, you, for me, I chose Monday, Wednesday, Friday as my fasting days because my family is busy during the week. And, um, and so it wasn't, it didn't sound like it would be that big of a deal. Um, but it did sound hard. And I, and I, but because of the trajectory that I was on, I was like, okay, I've got to do something. I think this is something I can do. I think it's going to be really hard, but I'm just going to buckle down and do it. And I committed to do it for a month. And I thought, okay, if I'm still alive after a month and I'm not dying, then I will continue for six months. So that was sort of my plan going into it. Um, and at this point, I don't think I was really looking at it as like a lifestyle change. I don't think I was thinking of it as something I would do forever. It was just like, you know, to get the weight off basically. And then I would go from there. So I, um, so anyway, I jumped into four three, and the first couple of weeks definitely were challenging, um, adapting to that full day fast. Uh, but then I found that I really loved it, and I just loved the kind of all or nothing sort of approach. You know, it's like one day I don't think about food at all, and the next day I I kind of had you know I allowed myself to have whatever kind of window. I needed. And so I just sort of looked at it that way. It ended up um, in the beginning, I was kind of having like a, anywhere from like a eight to 12 hour eating window. And um, I just felt like it actually fit really well into my life. And, and the weight loss was great. So it just, it was very steady. And I, in about nine months, I got down to my goal weight, which was 175. And, um, so I got down to 174 and, um, but then my story is a little bit different from other people's because I did actually regain some. And so I just want to, 
I, I just want to share that experience because it can happen. And I, I don't know if I've heard anyone on your podcast specifically have this experience, but I know I've seen it in Facebook groups and whatnot. So um, anyway, what happened was in August, I, I reached my goal weight in June of 2020. And then in August, I ended up having, I found out I had a kidney stone. I went to the ER and um, and I found out I had a kidney stone and actually then found out I had multiple kidney stones in my other kidney, but just the one was coming out and that was causing all the problems. Um, so yeah, and I just wanna mention too that it was not related to fasting. People ask me that all the time, but it's actually um, a calcium oxalate Kidney stone is what I had. So it's caused by high oxalate foods like spinach, actually, which you would think is good for you. Um, but too much of too much of a good thing, I guess. And also, you know, not being hydrated enough can cause the issue as well. So so I um, then in September, I had to have a procedure to break up the stone and they put me on a round of antibiotics at the time. And um and then, and then it was the holiday season. And I think what happened was because in my mind, I considered myself in maintenance. I sort of just, uh, I don't know, I overdid it, I guess, on like loosening up during that time. And I just, even though I am a daily wearer and I was tracking my weight and it was going up like a half a pound a week or something, you know, I just sort of let it go. And I was like, you know, as soon as I, you know, after the holidays, I'll just get right back on track and, and I'll lose it really fast. Um, and so I ended up gaining about 12 pounds. And then, so January of this year, I was like, all right, I'm going to rein it back in, go back to my full three days of fasting. Cause I was kind of alternating between five, two and four, three during that period. Um, and I did, and I was really good, but um, then I hit a plateau. So it was really interesting to hit a plateau after losing all the weight. But I think what happened was just, you know, there was probably an imbalance in my body because of the, the kidney stone and that whole experience. Um, but also, I think just not doing something about it sooner and kind of letting it go for so long. I think, I think our body is just like, like to stay where they are sometimes. And so when you let them settle, they're like, nope, I don't, I don't want to let go of that weight again. And so I think that's what happened. But um, so then after that point, I actually did start trending back down. Um, in March, we found out we were moving. And so it's been a crazy year for us as far as, you know, selling our house, my husband, went um, up to Idaho. We moved from Nevada to Idaho. So he left a couple months before the kids and I. Um, so, you know, being home without him and everything um, was a little stressful and a lot of schedule changes and things. So, um, but long story short, um, I'm just in the low 180s now. So I'm not quite back to goal, but I'm only like seven or eight pounds away. And then my plan is just to shift to like a goal range of the 170s. And if I stay in the 170s, then I'll be happy. So that is my 
wheat story. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And I just wanted to touch on a couple of things here. You mentioned in the early part of your journey, you were doing the keto and that sort of thing. We have a lot of beginners to this show. If you could just sort of explain what keto really is. Yeah, well, keto is just basically bringing your carbs down really low, and it's usually higher fat, but you don't have to do higher fat. A lot of people like to do high fat in the beginning, just when they're adapting, but then a lot of people like to more focus more on protein. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's generally people say under 20 carbs, some people do net carbs, some people do um, total carbs. Uh, when I was doing keto, I would do net carbs. Um, and I think there's definitely uh, I don't want to say good and bad ways, but maybe better ways and not as good ways to do keto. And I think when I started, I did it the right way. Like I was doing a very clean keto. And then I sort of started to want to add in like all of the keto treats later on. And so I think that um, those types of foods can sort of hijack the process and make it not as uh, not as beneficial. So, um, in the end, it was hard for me to, to keep up with it with my family. Um, and just like navigating around like social, uh, events and vacations and things. And so I decided for myself just to, uh, let it go. But I know that for a lot of people, especially people who are dealing with, um, a lot of insulin resistance or, type two diabetes, di uh, keto can be like a lifesaver. So I don't, um, I don't have think like bad things to say about it. I just think it's one of those things that everybody has to decide what works best for them. And it may be a tool that you use for, for a time and then, and then you choose to go another way. So. Yeah. I really love too what you said about the, um, the regain process, because that's important, and we have had a few people on this podcast that have talked about that, where they've gone through an intermittent fasting journey, lost quite a bit of weight, and then they've regained it, and then they've come back, and then with a different mindset and a different approach to being able to sustain it for a long period of time. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Like We all say things like, we're going to do this forever and for life and all that. And you mentioned there that you know you sort of thought, well, I'll get the weight off and then we'll see where we go from there. Whereas some people get into an intermittent fasting journey and they go, you know what, I'm going to do this for life. And I know when I was at about the three-month mark, I thought, wow, this is actually really great. I think I'm going to stick with this. But forever can be a long time, can't it, Lexi? So let's now talk about, you mentioned there the clean fast and you didn't really get that message at the start. And I wanted to go through that process of how you worked into that. And also what difference did it make to your fasting in general? Okay. So I, I don't have like a, uh, amazing experience. Like a lot of people, I don't drink coffee anyways. And so the only thing I was really doing was, um, I was chewing gum and I was, um, I would have the sparkling flavored water and like some t in the very beginning, I would have the this stevia sweetened sparkling water. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't think it was a big deal, but all of the people that I followed at the time were doing that, all those sorts of things. Um, and honestly, the, the only reason I stopped was just because I didn't want to have to buy them anymore. And so I didn't want to have to, depend on those things. And so I figured, well, I'll just try and go without them and see what happens. 
and I was totally fine. And it probably did make it easier. I just, I didn't really make the connection at the time, but, but I didn't, so I didn't find out about, um, Jen Stevens. I didn't read her books until I was almost at goal weight. So I had been doing it for, uh, almost a year at that point. And, um, but definitely hearing everyone's testimonials, like it's the way to go. Like I would never doubt, I would never doubt it from here on out. You know, I'm not ever going to decide to start chewing gum again or something. So I think hearing other people's experiences has been powerful enough for me to, to be very, um, committed to the clean fasting lifestyle. Through this podcast, I've interviewed over 100 people now, and you hear so many people mention that difference, and it varies from people saying, well, it makes my fasting easier, I don't get as hungry, my weight loss increased um, because I wasn't spiking my insulin with the cream and the coffee and all that sort of thing, but it is an important message to clean fast, and thanks for talking about that. But also, we wanted to talk about your eating window there. You mentioned you started off with the um, alternate day fasting and the keto and all that, and you looked at the 16 and 8 on YouTube. Was that your fasting protocol when you started, the 16 and 8? No. So um, I was trying to do OMAD, um, but I was just switching off between like two meals and one meal. So I was probably trying to do like a one hour window one day, and then I would try to do like a six hour window the next day. Um, and it just was really difficult to do that in the beginning, I think. And I know people like I've definitely added a lot of flexibility into my schedule now, but I think really when you're adapting, it's good to just kind of pick something to start with. And I really do think it's best to start with the 16 and eight for most people, just because that really eases you into it. Um, and I do think, especially for women, um, our, our systems are a little more sensitive. And so like, you don't want to shock your body into doing something like I would not definitely not recommend doing ADF to start. And I know that you also mentioned that a lot and I, I would not recommend that. Um, because I do think that there's just a lot of adaptation that needs to happen. And, um, so yeah, I think that it's good to just sort of ease in if that's the best way to go. 100%. And when people do start, I think 16 and 8 is a good place to start. And um, yeah, just start slow, even if you're doing something like a 12 and 12 for a couple of weeks, just to get into that fasting phase and then build it up from there and the 16 and 8. And then as we know, we get up to that 18, 20 hour fast mark and you know things start to happen and the sort of fat burning process starts speeding up and that sort of thing but it's really important for people listening to this podcast when starting out stay within your comfort zone and start off slow because if you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life there's seriously no rush but also want to talk about yes. things like we talk about the non-scale victories and you mentioned here that you weigh daily but the non-scale victories and the health benefit that come from this lifestyle have you found many of those yeah, definitely. Um, I I used to have a lot of brain fog. I just kind of would walk around just sort of like, you know, shuffling around trying to get through the day. And I just couldn't think very clearly. And uh, that has improved so much. But I think the best part is my immunity. Um, I used to get colds all the time, probably like once a month, I would get a cold. Uh, ranging anywhere from a couple of days to like a week or longer, you know, sore throat or like a full blown cold. 
Uh, and I, since I've started, I think I've been sick two or three times. And one of those was after traveling and kind of going off of fasting for a few days. So, you know, it's understandable that that would have happened. And everyone in my house was sick. So it was just one of those perfect storm type of moments. Um, and then the other time that I know for sure was this spring, my family got COVID. So, and I, my husband actually got it pretty bad, but I had very mild symptoms. Um, just a lot of sinus pressure, mostly lost my taste and smell, but um, yeah, I got through that pretty well. And other than that, I've just been so healthy, which is such a blessing, you know, like, like I said, I used to get sick a lot. I also used to get chronic ear infections, even as an adult. And um, so I really, especially in the situation that we're in right now, it's, uh, it's comforting to know that my immune system is so much stronger. I know four years now into this lifestyle, and when I was obese, I'd regularly get sick quite often, maybe not every month, but certainly quite a few times a year, particularly through the winter months, I'd always get sick and, you know, have a few days in bed here and there because I was so unwell. But since I've been doing fasting, I can't remember a time where I've been sort of that bad that I've had to go and stay in bed for a few days, but I've certainly had a couple of off days, but I haven't been anywhere near as amount of sick is what I was when I was heavy before I started fasting. So I definitely think it does. And that must have been a really scary moment for you too when all your family got COVID. I mean, that would have freaked me out, especially if I'd have had kids. And how did you find with the stress of dealing with all that? And how did you get back onto your fasting schedule after or what happened through that period? So like I said, I didn't get too sick. My husband was the one who was pretty sick. And um, so I had to sort of keep things going and take care of the family, the kids, didn't get too sick, but uh, they definitely had a little, some of the symptoms. Um, but I kind of decided that I would keep fasting through that and I would just allow myself to eat if I needed to. But based on my experiences before and knowing that fasting helps me to, you know, helps my immune system, I didn't want to compromise that by throwing the towel and, you know, so I sort of just, um, I just listened to my body and I, um, that's all I did. <laughs> that's all I did. I just listened to my body and made sure that I was doing okay. And, and if I ever felt like I wasn't then, and if, if eating would benefit me, then I would, but, but I generally stuck to still my alternate day fasting schedule through that. And, um, and I got through it just fine. I don't know if that would be, you know, the best choice for everyone else. But for me, it just, it felt right. And so I, I kept going with it. And I, I feel like for me, it worked out because <laughs> I never got, I never got too sick. So I think that it was just, it was a blessing. And I'm grateful that my husband, you know, he pulled through and he never had to go to the hospital or anything. Um, but, you know, it was just, it felt like, it helps me through it. I don't, 
know what would have happened if I wasn't fasting. But I think that just based on my past experiences of being sick so often, I I really do feel like it helped me. So, so you're a mom of four children, um, and you're preparing meals all the time, right through the day for the kids, that sort of thing. Kids are always hungry, and they're always at mum. You know, particularly in lockdown, you would have had the kids around. You know, having to give them food all day. And for mums out there that are just thinking about they can't do it because they've got kids or that sort of thing, how did you sort of deal with that when you were preparing food for your children? So the funny thing about lockdown is that uh, I already homeschooled before. So I was used to having my kids home, and that was a benefit to me that it wasn't a huge shock of a schedule change for me. Um, But... I would say in the in the beginning, it is hard because you have those sort of habits of just picking up the food when you're preparing it for someone. And for me, it really came down to just embracing my choice. And uh, when I would go into the kitchen, I would mentally prepare myself and I would ask myself, you know, if I eat right now, am I going to be glad that I did or am I going to regret it later? And usually the answer is that I'm going to regret it. And also I don't mind smelling food when I'm fasting. I actually enjoy it. I like, you know, it's almost like I'm eating the smells. And so it's, it's that experience of just really enjoying the smell and you get like I think more of a full experience of smelling when you're fasting. And so, and I also just sort of tell myself, like, I get to eat this tomorrow, you know, and like, I look forward to, to that. And um, I also make sure that if there's something that I want to eat, that maybe someone brings something over or whatever, I will make sure to put it in the freezer for myself or somewhere where it's not going to be disturbed so that I know I'm not going to miss out on anything if that's what I want. You know, like I I do prioritize myself that way. And um, but other than that, you know, it just becomes a habit. And it's it's really funny because it's actually become so ingrained that the other day I was making something for one of my kids and. And I was like, oh, that looks really good. I want to try it, but I'm fasting and I can't. But I was like, oh, it's actually my eating day. So I can, (laughs) I can eat that right now. And it was just like interesting to realize that it's become so second nature to me that like being able to eat something when I'm preparing is like the odd experience. So yeah, but I'm, I'm glad that it has become easier. I know I will say that one thing that people have recommended is just in the beginning to like maybe wear a bracelet on your wrist to remind yourself, because I know that people might accidentally eat, you know, just because of that, like your kid leaves some food on the plate and you don't want to waste it, which is a hard thing for me. Like I, I hate wasting food. And so in the beginning it was challenging Um, making sure that I didn't cook too much, that eventually it was going to go to waste. And so that's been sort of a a process that I've had to learn, you know, like just sort of the, the supply chain, if you will, like how much I actually need to make and what's actually going to get eaten. So that was hard in the beginning just because, you know, I couldn't eat all the leftovers and my family wouldn't eat all the leftovers. So, so I've just sort of learned how to deal with that over time. But 
Yeah. yeah, that's great. If you do sort of, you know, preparing a meal and you accidentally do something like that, then don't freak out. Just carry on with your fast. I mean, don't say to yourself, oh, no, I've broken my fast. And then all of a sudden you just eat all day because at least if you just sort of recognize that and you've done something and then you just move on with it. I remember once I went into a shop and I got a drink and I thought it was a plain sparkling water and I had my sunglasses on when I walked into the shop. And I got back into the car and I was driving down the road and I had this big swig of it and and I could taste the sugar in it straight away and I realized it was full-strength tonic water I was drinking. And I remember spitting my my head out the window driving, spitting this tonic water out. And I was just like, oh, my God. And another time I was sitting in my car and just mindlessly picked up a mint that I always used to carry in my car and I started chewing Mm -hmm. this mint. And then all of a sudden I clicked that I was fasting and I was like spitting it out everywhere. And people watching me probably (laughs) thought I was crazy. But we all have those moments. But I'd imagine for right. a mum, it, it is pretty tough for a stay-at-home dad, for that matter, preparing meal for their, their children and that sort of thing. Do your kids ask you about your fasting at all? Well, that's the funny thing. Like, I don't know if my kids are just so oblivious, but they've never asked me about it. And I've been I've been alternate day fasting for two years. And what I think is just that I don't draw attention to it. And so they don't notice, you know, and kids are kind of self-absorbed. And so they just sort of are in their own world. And um, as long as they're getting food, they're they're happy. So they don't they don't worry about uh, that. And I just I'll sit at the table with them and I'll talk to them. And I think they just assume that I already ate or that I'm going to eat later or something, because we do sort of throughout the week, we'll, we'll eat at odd times and we don't always actually sit down together. But I have, like, if I've changed my schedule and, you know, sometimes I will be fasting on a Sunday where we're all sitting down together um, and I'll just talk to them. We'll have a conversation and they just don't even notice. And so I haven't, uh, I think my oldest son knows that I fast, but like he doesn't really think much of it either because he knows that I have the YouTube channel and he has a YouTube channel. So he knows what mine is called and and he knows that I fast, but I, I don't know. He just they're just not very interested. Yeah. You mentioned earlier your wonderful husband there, and, and yeah, don't don't comment on your wife's weight, mate. <laughs> it's a situation's bad idea. But, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. obviously he's a, a wonderful husband and a, a wonderful family guy, and he's obviously been very supportive. Have you found everybody has been supportive of your lifestyle? You have, have you had any kickback at all through it? I haven't, and I, I really expected to. Um my husband was definitely supportive from the beginning. I told him about it from, from the start. Cause I knew that he would notice. Um, so yeah, he was, he was always very supportive. I didn't really want to tell my family, um, cause I thought they would give me a hard time, but what ended up happening actually is, um, I, I started my Instagram page because I knew that I needed some sort of a like community support and I wanted to help other people and, you know, get help from other people. And, um, and so I added my sister onto that account and I didn't realize it just didn't dawn on me that people that knew her, that knew me would then be connected to me. So my family did end up finding me that way and they were very supportive. Um, nobody's really, started fasting in my family, but they've had some interest. 
And I do have a story about that that involves you because I was visiting my dad and I was driving back. So I was visiting my dad in California. This was when I lived in Nevada and I was driving home and I actually listened to your podcast on uh, the intermittent fasting stories podcast. It was like episode 23 or something. And I was going through all of the, the podcasts at the time because I just found out about them and I had just read um, Jen's books. And so I was like, wow. And so I, I texted my brother because he was still visiting my dad as well. And, um, and my brother actually lived in Australia for a couple of years as a missionary. And so I was like, Hey, there's this tall Aussie guy. He lost a bunch of like over a hundred pounds and had all of these health, you know, conditions helped and everything. And, and my dad, he has some health issues that could be helped. And, and my, uh, you know, my brother, and my dad are both tall guys too, like you. And, and, um, so I was like, you should listen to this podcast with dad while you're there. And he's like, oh yeah, that's cool. And I think my brother listened to it, but he didn't have time to listen to it with my dad. But um, I've just sort of been trying to uh, plug that into my dad's ear every now and then without being pushy because um, my dad and I are both stubborn. So I know that, you know, being too pushy is not going to bode well so who knows maybe he'll listen to this podcast and yeah i was on episode 23 of the intermittent fasting stories and and as we know we i have my own podcast now and i have my book and and uh, if your dad ever wants to talk to me i'm happy to zoom him and, and have a chat with him about it so yeah no worries but also awesome. yeah no worries so you've now gone on to sharing your journey i wanted to touch on that now you're known as mum fasting on youtube you have your own channel just tell us how you got into that and why you do it and how that's going for you. Yeah. So I, I started my Instagram page when I started doing alternate day fasting in 2019, I started in September of 2019. And then um, I just kept thinking about starting a YouTube channel because I watched a lot of YouTube and it helped me a lot to watch other people share their experiences on YouTube um, and basically there just wasn't very many channels that, uh, had people doing alternate day fasting for a long time. There were a lot of videos that, you know, maybe a week or a month or maybe even six months, a handful of people that were up to a year. Um, or there was one girl that was like two or three years, but yeah, so I just, felt like there was a need to, to share the experience. And so I just sort of worked up the courage and filmed a video and, and published it, which was definitely nerve wracking because I am not someone who actually likes being on camera. And if you have seen any of my home videos as a child, they're all of me running away from my mom because she would sneak up on me and try and film me and I would run away and scream because I hated being on camera. I just didn't like it. So um, it's kind of funny that I have a YouTube channel now, um, but I just feel like like it's something that there was a need for. And I, I get a lot of comments from people and they thank me and they say that, you know, that it really helped them. And so that's what keeps me going because 
Sometimes I don't want to keep doing it, but um, it definitely is rewarding when you hear from people that um, something you shared helps them. And I'm sure you know what I mean by that. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much for those nice comments. Um, I guess I've learned a lot and I could say that in a way I'm grateful that I regained some weight because it really taught me um, some things about what I would do differently in maintenance going forward. And I think that I think maintenance is not so different from your weight loss plan. It just gives you a little bit of a little bit more flexibility, but um, I've learned. So I think that the challenging thing with alternate day fasting is that when an event comes up or a vacation, it can be a little trickier to figure out how to change your schedule because, you know, it's one thing to sort of expand your window in a daily window, but when you're not supposed to eat at all and you have something on that day, it can it can be a little more challenging to, to sort of figure that out. So what I've sort of uh, started doing this summer because I did some traveling and just had a lot going on this summer was really busy with moving and again, travel. So uh, I sort of, what I do is I have like a, a hour target for the week. So I use the life app and I just try to hit that target. Um, and so if I have to change my schedule, I prefer to do at least one or two full days of fasting because it just feels best to me. But if I can't, um, and if I have to, you know, take one or two of those days off, I'll just try to hit that hour goal for the week. So for me, it's about 130 hours. That's the, the average of how many hours that I've hit over the span of, of uh, alternate day fasting. So I'll just sort of switch it up and try to hit that goal and I'll check my app. And, and that's really helped me to stay on track when um, things change. And again, if it's like a true vacation, like to me, traveling like with kids to see family is a different experience than like going on a relaxing vacation with my husband. So I will loosen it up a little more for an experience like that. But like if I'm just trying to stay on track, but I have to change it, I'll just try to hit that goal. And I think that going forward, I think I'll just do just keep going because it really has been great and it hasn't felt difficult. I felt like I've been able to participate in life and travel and uh, family events or whatever. And, um, but still, uh, you know, not get out of control because I don't want to get back into that gaining mode again. So I want to definitely keep, keep a handle on that. Yeah. And it's got to be sustainable. It's got to fit in with your family. It's got to fit in with life. And yeah, if you go away on a vacation, then you might loosen up a little bit, but don't freak out when you get back because you know the tools that you've got. Just go back, use them, restart, get back on your journey. But this shouldn't be about punishment. This is a lifestyle. It's enjoyment, and it should be a lifestyle to be embraced and, and not be afraid to do things like that. And I know in the early part of my journey, which is something that I didn't know then, and I wasn't changing my protocol for anybody, right? Nothing, no matter what the event or whoever it was, I was so laser focused on getting the weight off, I wasn't changing it. But now I've learned about it more, and obviously I'm now four years into this. I would certainly recommend to people, 
you know, keep it flexible because it's got to suit your life. Work out a protocol, what Lexi has, what suits her. I mean, you're now doing the alternate day fasting. That doesn't really suit everybody. I mean, I, I like to eat once a day, so I'm not a never done alternate day fasting. But we've had some very interesting people talk about ADF on this podcast. We've had episode six, Rachel Awad from Egypt, have his great sort of insights into ADF about the right reasons to do it. We've had Roxy Marino that you probably know that leads the Mealist Monday and Jim Stevens groups. And we've had our own Fifi DeFufi, Marianne Lease from the Fasting Highway. Uh, she lives in Hamburg, Germany. She's lost well over 100 pounds. And um, her insights into the sort of up, day, down approach that you're talking about there is really great as well. So thank you for giving all those great explanations. But before we go today, mm-hmm. too, um, obviously you're an experienced person now. And I want you to sort of try and give some insights into a beginner out there that's trying to get going, just get starting. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, Lexi, I want to do this. How am I going to get going? And what's your mindset behind that? Yeah, so I, I get this question a lot. And I think because I do alternate day fasting videos, a lot of people are trying to get into that um, because they've heard of these crazy, amazing results from alternate day fasting. And that's sort of the downside of YouTube is you'll find a lot of these like videos where someone has been doing it for a week or a month and they have these crazy results of how much they've lost and people are really excited about that. And and I get that. I understand it. But I, I do caution people to pump the brakes because you don't want to, I really don't think most people should jump into alternate day fasting. So definitely start, start small, like we talked about with the 16, eight or even 12 hours, and then ease into it and just look at it as something that you could do for the rest of your life. Because, you know, whatever you're doing now, you're going to have to to maintain it somehow. So you have to do what's going to work and what's going to be sustainable. If it's not sustainable, then there's not really much of a point to it, you know, and, and not that people have to do alternate day fasting forever. I know a lot of people use it as a tool just to sort of break a plateau or um, maybe they feel like they have insulin resistance and they need to uh, heal that. And so that's a tool they use. And then they, they end up wanting to go to a daily window like you use and and many other people, I'd say the majority of uh, intermittent fasters prefer a daily window. So, you know, just try it out. And, you know, once you get to that point and uh, if alternate day fasting is something that you think you really enjoy, then you can keep doing it. And you don't even have to do it the way I do it. You can do just a mealless Monday um, and then do the rest of the day's a daily window. So there's so many different ways. I would say that that's something I've learned is that there's so many different ways to do this that I don't think people need to feel like they need to pick a a, a protocol that you know everyone else does. I think you just you pick what protocol works in your life and whether that's, you know, you do a mealless Monday and then you have an up day and then you have, you know, 24 on the other days. Or you do what I do and you do three full fasting days and some people do the modified um, fast, you know, with a 500 calorie meal. Um, So, yeah, you just have to experiment and ease into it and see what works best for you. 
but I can't tell you what how great it's been to have you on this podcast because I can see that your mindset is so great. And for me, the mindset and the mental part of intermittent fasting is probably 90% of that. Have you found that for yourself as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, you know, it's just you have to sort of own your choices. And I think it's really important, especially, for instance, when you're making food for other people, not to feel like you're a victim and like this is something someone's making you do or that you have to do. It's it's definitely our choice and we choose it because it in the end it makes us feel the best. And so even though it may be difficult in the moment, overall it just improves our lives so much. And so I think it's really important to to look at the big picture and just ask yourself in the end, you know, what, what choice is going to, what are you going to be the more happy with? And, and so, and really own those decisions and be grateful that we found this lifestyle. I know that I am so grateful, even when it is challenging. Um, Cause there, there, you know, like you said, there are challenges. It's different. Not everybody is doing this. So there are going to be those moments where uh, you wish you didn't have to try so hard, I guess, you know, like you wish you could just be quote like everyone else. But in truth, I think most people are struggling on some level, you know, with their weight, whether you see it or not. So I think that it's important to to just compare it to what we've tried before that obviously didn't work and was not pleasant or sustainable and, um, and, you know, just when you look at the health benefits and, and all of that, along with, along with the weight loss, it's just, it really is a blessing. And I think we need to acknowledge it for what it is. Once I got the weight off and I thought, okay, how am I going to keep it off now? Because, you know, when you're on a diet or something, you lose weight and then nine times out of 10 with traditional diets, we regain it, right? But with intermittent fasting, it always felt different to me. And then I thought, well, I just got to sort of modify it a bit and I'll keep the weight off. And I've done that successfully now for over two years and I've kept in a range of between about two and five pounds up down, which has been fantastic. And for me, that was a qualification that this works, right? Because when people say to me, how can you justify that this works? And I say, okay, how many people do you know that have done any of the traditional diets or gone to any of the weight loss sort of companies that have lost a bunch of weight that have kept it off? Out of 10, there's probably only two out of 10 people that have actually done that. And intermittent fasting, I mean, obviously, I've interviewed dozens of people. I've I've mentored dozens of people. And I would say it's the reverse Probably eight out of ten people do keep the weight off. Um, that have keep some sort of fasting protocol, and I don't think it's until you get the weight off that you realise the mental aspect of it, and then you you start living as a normal size person in a normal size world, and you all those benefits that come from that, and you just don't want to revert back because you know that you can maintain this lifestyle. So I think that's the qualification, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And congratulations on your accomplishment there for maintaining for so long. And that's so incredible. Do you sort of seek high quality food now? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't have any restrictions and I still do have a sweet tooth, but I will say that I don't, I don't feel like it controls me like it used to. And, um, 
I had this experience where I went to the store and I had bought myself some mint truffles, like chocolate truffles, and I hid them back in the pantry. And, um, and then one day I was, I was cleaning out the pantry and I found them and I just stared at them for a minute because I couldn't believe that I had forgotten about them. Like it used to be that, you know, sugar would just call to me, you know, like I had to go answer the call, like throughout the day, I would grab a handful of chocolate chips just to like get through the stress of the day. And so, you know, it just like blew my mind as I was staring at these truffles that I had forgotten about them. And, and since then it's happened so many times, you know, so I still enjoy a treat here and there, but like, it doesn't control me. I can just, you know, leave it at a small portion and then move on. But, you know, I do really enjoy all kinds of food and I want to, like you always say, I want to feel my best. And so I've kind of through experimentation found the things that make me feel good and the things that don't. And so I stay away from the things that don't make me feel good. And I think that's a really individual process that everybody needs to figure out because there's foods that are even considered healthy that don't make me feel good. And so, you know, I think everybody sort of just needs to pay attention and, uh, notice how they feel after they eat yeah. certain things and see yeah. if that's something you should keep going with. Went right through my weight loss phase, I was able to sort of start identifying my trigger foods and I started learning mm-hmm. about which foods were blowing me up. And for me, it was bread. I mean, mm-hmm. I love bread with all my heart, right? But bread doesn't love me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I can drive down the road and pass a bread truck and I'll put on two pounds. It's just the way it goes because <laughs> bread and meat, yeah. I mean, I love bread. I, I try to limit myself now to just having bread on the weekends. I have a couple of bread rolls or something like that. But when people say to me, oh, you're restricting, you're on a diet, I go, no, I just eat what works for me. You know, I found out. I mean, I was a fast food and sugar addict, as you know. And there's a huge difference between addiction and moderation. And once you overcome addiction and you can learn what moderation is, like just about everybody else on the planet does, I mean, we all know what moderation is. And I stop at sort of one piece of something or one biscuit. I don't eat the whole packet anymore. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. And once you sort of learn that, then if you're a person that's come from an addictive sort of process with food, it's really freeing. But Lexi, we're up time now for the podcast, but I cannot tell you what a pleasure it's been to have you here. And thank you for joining me today here on the Fasting Highway. And for those out there that want to check Lexi out, look out for Mum Fasting on YouTube. And thank you very much, Lexi. Thank you. Okay, bye. Oh, thank you so much, Lexi. That was a fantastic chat. You gave a great insight into the intermittent fasting lifestyle as you do on your YouTube channel that we touched on there, Mum Fasting, and I'd really suggest anybody, uh, particularly if you have children, maybe give that a look. Um, That's Mum Fasting on YouTube um, with Lexi Waters. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us today, Lexi. Really love talking to you. Uh, Also, folks, uh, for those of you who may be interested in my journey, uh, you can get my book, The Fasting Highway, uh, on Amazon, both paperback and Kindle. Uh, Thank you to those that have from all around the world. I've received messages from Antarctica to North America to Africa to Europe. 
uh, South America, Pacific Islands. It's been unbelievable. And thank you so much for uh, doing that. And that's my book, The Fasting Highway on Amazon. But anyway, until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.